other books. So it's good for us to understand. All right, Proverbs chapter 3, we stopped at verse 17. So if you have it, say amen. All right. Okay, God says, Her ways are ways of pleasantness, and all her paths are peace. She is a tree of life to them that lay hold upon her, and happy is everyone that retaineth her. The Lord by wisdom hath founded the earth, by understanding hath he established the heavens. By his knowledge the depths were broken up, and the clouds dropped down the dew. My son, let not them depart from thine eyes. Keep sound wisdom and discretion. So shall they be life unto thy soul, and grace to thy neck. Then shalt thou walk in thy way safely, and thy foot shall not stumble. When thou liest down, thou shalt not be afraid. Yea, thou shalt lie down, and thy sleep shall be sweet. Be not afraid of sudden fear, neither of the desolation of the wicked when it cometh. For the Lord shall be confidence and shall keep thy foot from being taken. Amen. And then it gives some practical application. goes into chapter 4 about the path once again. So let's pray. Father, we come before you. We ask your blessing to be upon the reading of your holy word. We ask God that you would inspire us to preach it, to declare it. We trust in your anointing, God, tonight. We pray, give us understanding, Lord Jesus, and revelation. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. You may be seated in the name of the Lord. All right, chapters 1 and 9, you will remember we are looking at uh, a father speaking to a son along with Lady Wisdom, speaking to sons, but also, this is for everybody, concerning wisdom. How many of you remember what wisdom is? Yeah, proud of you. Proud of you. You know what to do? Amen. What to do? What to say? Right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Having the right emotion and the right level of emotion when you're dealing with things. Very, very good. Proud of you. Okay, so what is it? Number one, it has to do with, practically speaking, what is that? Practically speaking, social skills. So wisdom is how to live life. It's social skills. It's more than just brains. It's knowing what to do, when to do it, how to do it, what to say. Y'all have already told me that, so that's right. And then uh, ethically speaking, that is it teaches us how to be righteous. That means how to be good people. And then thirdly, theologically, it speaks of, to us about how to walk in a relationship with the Lord in a way that pleases Him. Amen. And that's the highest level of wisdom that there is. The others are hinged to that. Okay? So when we look at it then, verse 17, it says, Her ways are ways of pleasantness and her paths are peace. So if you want a pleasant life, if you want a peaceful life, and I believe that everybody really ultimately is looking for peace in their life. That's probably the ultimate goal of everybody if I could just find peace you know David talked about he said if I had a wings as, as the wings of a dove then would I fly away and be at peace see there's a lot of turmoil there's a lot of chaos in life right now a lot of pressure and oppression a lot of things we've got to deal with that will overwhelm you but wisdom the wisdom of God will give you peace 
Because you'll know what to do, how to do it, what to do, when to do it, what to say, when to say it, how to say it, what level of emotion. It really does make a huge difference if you have wisdom. So God says it's a pleasant thing and it will bring peace to your life. And every one of us need peace. And then verse 18, she's a tree of life to them that lay hold upon her and happy is everyone that retaineth her. So not only does it give you pleasantness and peace in life, but it also promises you eternal life. Because the tree of life, as you know in the book of Revelation, is a picture of people who've entered into the heavenly city and have uh, entered into eternal life. So you walk her ways and eventually you'll have eternal life. Then verse 19. Once again, we've talked about this in the past, how that wisdom was the attribute of God that He used in creation, the creation of the heavens and the earth. So we see this once again, verse 19. says, The Lord by wisdom hath founded the earth by understanding, hath He established the heavens. Okay? He knew exactly how He wanted everything to run in this world, in the earth. And that's the way He created it. And He did that by wisdom, His wisdom. He knew what to do, when to do, how to do it, what to say, when to say it. Everything that was needed, He knew exactly how He wanted this earth to be, and that's the way He created it. And He created it by the attribute of wisdom. So if you have wisdom, then you will know how to live life in this world. If God created it by wisdom, then we need the wisdom to know how to live in it. Correct? So He says, The Lord by wisdom hath founded the earth by understanding, hath established the heavens by His knowledge. The depths were broken up and the clouds dropped down the dew. Now just think about that just for a minute. How amazing that is. It shows you the power. God knows things that we don't know by His wisdom. Now you think about, as the Word of God says here, look at it again. By His knowledge, the depths are broken up. He's talking about like earthquakes and volcanoes and mudslides and things like that. We don't know what is going on oftentimes. You know, we see the earthquakes. We know the results. I mean, they are devastating. Volcanoes erupt and so on and so forth. But we don't understand what is underneath causing all of that. We'll see even God, because He knows what is working underneath all of that. His hand is actually involved in the earthquakes and the volcanoes and, and the mudslides and those kinds of things. Now... <clears throat> Some of you already know this. I mean, you've gone to school, basic school. But in the earth, there's a core, right? In the center, there's a core. It's made of nickel and iron, okay? Uh, about 3,000 3, miles, okay, is the extent of that core. And then on the outside of that, there's another 1,800 miles. Now, I'm saying 3,000 miles from the, from the surface, okay? It reaches, let me say this again, the core reaches... 3,000 miles or so from the surface is where it is, okay? And then you have another secondary core on the outside of that, and it's more liquid, and that's about 1,800 miles from the surface. So above that core, that solid core, and then that liquid core, then you got what's called a mantle. And that mantle is the thickest of all of them. And it rises all the way up to about 55 miles before you reach the crust of the earth, okay? About 55 miles. you got mountains up here. So about 55 miles before you reach the crust, you've got these mountains. Okay, so that's about 55 miles from the crust is where you have uh, that, that mantle reaching. Then the crust itself of the earth is made up of these little rocks, okay? Uh, 
and it's like 55 miles deep, you know. Of course, if it's an ocean, it's not quite that deep, maybe uh, 15, 3 to 15 miles deep. But where the mountains are, that crust is about 55 miles deep. So you take that all into consideration, you know, 3,000 and 1,800, and then this big mantle, and then 55, it reaches up to 55, right about 55 feet before you reach the, the surface, the crust, then the crust is about 55 feet deep in these rocks. If you think about all that that's going on underneath right now, we're on the top, we're on the surface, you know, we're walking on the crust. We see these huge mountains and, and whatnot. Well, those start moving, those mountains moving, and those plates start moving. Well, what's happening is what is going on underneath the crust of the earth is what is causing all that to take place. And the Bible is saying that when the fountains of the deep are broken up, look at it. Amen. By His knowledge, the depths are broken up. So His hand is actually involved in all of that underneath stuff that's going on that causes these earthquakes and these volcanoes and these mudslides and, and things like that that you and I are not even aware of in life. But that shows you how powerful God is. That's His wisdom that's at work even in those kinds of things. So when you see an earthquake erupt, think about there's things going on underneath that you don't even know about. But that God knows about it. Or an earthquake that takes place. Things going on you don't even know about, but God knows about it. Or a mudslide, so on and so forth. And then, no less powerful, is the next statement. It says here, and the clouds drop down the dew. Now, that's powerful. It doesn't sound powerful. It doesn't sound as powerful as earthquakes and volcanoes and mudslides and that kind of thing, but it is just as powerful because there's about 55 billion, close to 55 billion tons of water in the atmosphere. And that is literally lifted up off of the ocean. And so what, what we have to understand is we don't see that, but God is literally involved. His hand is in, literally involved in lifting 55 Ton, 55 billion tons off of the ocean of water into the atmosphere. Okay? That's a lot of weight. But yet, somehow, in a cloudless, calm night, He causes all of that water, which, you know, comes in the form of humidity and whatnot. We know how the cycles, right? They work. Okay, He picks up that water off the oceans. He purifies it. He drops it back down to the earth. Correct? Okay, well, God has the ability in a still night where there's no clouds to take some of that water, that heavy, heavy mass of water that he holds up and just simply very softly and very gently place it upon the ground. And we don't even know how it happens. But God is, he is so awesome. He can suspend, amen, over 55 billion tons of water in the atmosphere but He's so gentle that He can cause it to come down as gentle as the dew upon the grass. So God is so amazing. His wisdom, in His wisdom, we see His power. We see His, His knowledge. But we also see His gentleness in what He does. So that, man, I'll tell you, He does all that by wisdom. That's why wisdom is so important. It's powerful. It's an attribute of God. But it's also something that at times is very gentle. Amen. Now, verse 21, he says, My son, let not them depart from thine eyes. Keep sound wisdom and discretion. Say with me, keep sound wisdom 
and discretion. Well, y'all know what wisdom is. What is discretion? What explain to you what discretion is? What is it? It's counting the cost. Right? So you know wisdom. You know how things should work. What to do. What to say. And all that. But discretion is, alright, I'm going to count the cost here. I'm going to make a decision. And everybody makes decision. And everybody makes choices every day of their life. But discretion has the, is the ability to say, okay, when I make this decision, then I'm counting the cost. Because every decision that we make has a consequence, either good or bad. Now, if you're in a mess tonight, some of you are in a mess tonight, may not be totally your fault, but sometimes it is your fault because of the decisions that you make. And the decisions that we make, all of us, we're going to have a consequence. We have to be willing to pay the price, you know, or, be, or receive the reward. So discretion then is your ability to look at a situation and discern and say, you know what, this, I'm going to count the cost. So I'm going to be very careful and I'm going to walk very careful, very lightly. Let's, we talked about it last week. It's like if you got glass on the floor, you're barefooted, you're not just going to walk through the glass. Okay, if you're barefooted. You look down and you see that glass, you're barefooted, so you're going to be very careful. You're going to walk real soft to make sure you don't get glass in your feet. That's basically what discretion is. It's going through life and counting the cost and walking very soft, very careful. Don't just go, as we've talked about already, the uh, simple man is the immature man or the immature woman just goes barreling through life, doesn't think about any consequences, doesn't think about the future. They just live for the now for the most part. And, you know, it's sort of like the philosophy, let's just do it, live for now and worry about the consequences later. That's not discretion. Discretion looks at what is the consequences and then makes the decision. They don't just run through life and making decisions and then live with the consequences later. That's not discretion. So it's important, that's why he's saying here, My son, let not them depart from thine eyes. Keep sound wisdom and discretion. So shall they be life unto thy soul and grace in, uh, in thy neck. So he says, what's going to happen, you're going to have grace to your soul. That's your inner life, right? Let me make sure I got the wording right. Okay, life unto thy soul, grace to thy neck. So you're going to have life in the inner man, and the next speaks of the outer life. Is everybody with me here? Let's look at it again. All right. So shall they be life unto thy soul, that's the inner life, and grace to thy neck, that's the outer life. Now, when you go through the Word of God, you're going to see the Word of God talks about the neck. The neck. Deuteronomy talks about a stiff-necked person. So a stiff neck, what is a stiff neck person? It's a person that's in rebellion. Okay? So if you're a rebellious kind of a person, that means you are not responding to life correctly. That means you're stiff necked. You're rebellious. Also in the book of Deuteronomy, just take your concordance and look up the word neck, and you will see that the neck also in the book of Deuteronomy speaks of somebody that's like a slave. Like an animal that's yoked. Okay? Also, remember when Joseph, because he was a wise man, what did the, what Pharaoh do? Put a gold chain around his neck. So it was a, a picture of a person who was being rewarded for their wisdom. Now, when the prodigal returned home, what did the Bible say? 
when the father went out to meet the prodigal son, he fell upon his what? And did what? Kissed his neck. Okay, so that's a picture of somebody coming home, repenting, and getting right with God, and the father falling on the neck and kissing the neck. So in the Word of God then, the neck speaks of the way that you and I respond to the outward situations or circumstances that come to us in life. If you don't respond to the, the Word of God and the wisdom of God, then you're like a stiff-necked person that refuses to bow to the Lord. I'm going to do it my way, okay? That's stiff neck. That's rebellion, all right? If you bow the neck, you're saying, yes, Lord, I want to walk in your wisdom, and I want to obey you. If you're that kind of person, then you're going to be rewarded, in a sense, with a gold chain around your neck like Joseph. And uh, if you have gone away from the Lord and you return, then God is going to fall upon your neck and kiss you because, again, you're responding to life correctly. Now, that's the problem we have today is not many people know how to respond to life. Okay? So they go through life. They don't respond to it with wisdom and discretion. So a lot of times they get rebellious. They get prideful. You know, they start, I'm going to live life the way I want to live. Well, that's the wrong thing to do. You don't want to be stiff-necked. You want to bow your neck before the Lord. Amen? And as the Bible says here in the passage, so shall they be life unto thy soul, that's your inner life, and what? Grace to thy neck. Because you are walking in the wisdom and discretion of God. That's what you want. You want grace and you want life. Okay? Verse 23. Then shalt thou walk in thy way safely, and thy foot shall not stumble. Now stumbling is a very serious thing in life. You can stumble. How many of y'all have ever stumbled and fell? Okay. You know, when you're young, you stumble, you fall. It's not really that big of a deal. But you get older, you stumble, you fall. It's a big deal, man. I mean, really. I don't know about you, but we have these pipes out here, you know, by the Sunday school department. And they, these blocks or whatever. And one time, I don't know, I wasn't paying attention. And I tripped over that thing and I fell. Man, it, whew, it felt like I felt 50 feet. Man, I came down really hard. You know what I'm saying? When I was a kid, no big deal. I just popped right back up. When you're old, man, you... Okay? So the older you get, I mean, every little, even a little stumble can become a very serious deal. So God doesn't want you to stumble. He doesn't want me to stumble either because it can be very serious, very dangerous if you stumble. So if you're walking in the wisdom of God and discretion, then the Bible says He's going to keep your feet from stumbling. Amen? He's going to keep you from making mistakes in life. Now, if you're the kind of person that don't care, you don't care about what God thinks, you don't care about what anybody else thinks, you're just going to go through life, and you're going to stumble, you're going to hurt yourself. You're going to fall down, you're going to hurt. And it hurts, man. It really does. Praise the Lord. Now, you think about the Apostle Paul. All right, I'm not going to go there, but in Acts chapter 27, the Bible talks about the Apostle Paul. He's on a ship. Now, you can read in verse 10 and then 21 through 24. He's on a ship. There's a ship steersman that's there. There's the owner of the ship. And they're fixing to launch into a voyage, right? And the Apostle Paul is on there. So he looks at the head steersman and the owner, and he tells him, he says, I perceive in my spirit that this voyage is going to be with much hurt. So don't do it. Now, where did Paul get that information? That that, that, that voyage was going to be with much hurt. Remember, Eurocliden? I preached Eurocliden to you before. Okay. 
He, the Bible says he perceived that he was going to be with much hurt. There was something in Paul that told him this is not a good thing. Well, I don't, the Bible doesn't say that God told him that. So he was relying on natural wisdom. That means that he could look at the situation. He knew the time that they're fixing to take this voyage. He knew what the weather would be like in that time of, of the year. Okay? And so he warned them by natural wisdom. He said, I perceive that this voyage is going to be with much hurt. Okay? So the chief steersman go to the owner of the ship. It tells him what Paul says. And those two, you know, they're supposed to be the experts, man. You know, right? I mean, because he's the chief dude. I mean, he's the chief steersman, and you got the owner of the ship. They know more than Paul, of course. Right? So they get together and they talk it over and they decide, no, we're going to go ahead and we're going to go on this voyage and we're not going to listen to God's man. You know? Because we're the experts. Well, the Bible says it wasn't too long until they stumbled. Because they didn't listen to God's man, they stumbled. And this huge storm hit that ship, Eurocliden. And it was so bad that the Bible says that Second, a second wisdom came to Paul, and it was supernatural. And God told Paul, <clears throat> spoke to him about angel, angels came and stood by him in that ship and told him that not one man would be lost. I mean, they were fixing to bail out of the boat. They were fixing to jump out in the water, man. But because God had sent Paul wisdom, divine wisdom in that case, by an angel, it says nobody's going to be hurt. So he told that to the chief steersman. Chief steersman went and he handled it. So by that wisdom, again, that was supernatural wisdom, alleviated people jumping overboard. Right? Right. And then he looks at the situation and he noticed after a period of time people haven't been eaten. Well, did he need God to come and say, you need to eat? Of course not. He operated by natural wisdom. He knew that the ship, the people in the ship were hungry, so he says, eat some food. Okay? So there's some things you and I need to understand. God will give you wisdom. You can look at situations in life. He doesn't have to give you a dream. He doesn't have to give you a vision. He doesn't have to come and send, or send you an angel and tell you everything about life. You can look at life and have enough wisdom to make some good decisions that will keep you from stumbling. Right? When you need it, God will send an angel. When you need it, God will give you a vision. When you need it, God will give you supernatural direction when you need it. But then again, you don't need God to come and tell you, hey, you need to eat. Because your stomach will tell you that. If you look in the closet and there's no food, what do you do? You, you get on your knees and say, oh God, should I go to the grocery store right now or not? Well, He's probably not going to answer you. He's going to let you walk over there and open the doors of your closet or your ice, your refrigerator. I call it icebox. Refrigerator. And if there's no food in there, He doesn't have to come and give you a vision or a dream for you to go buy food at the grocery store. Just go buy food at the grocery store. That's natural, natural wisdom. Amen? How many of y'all want to go through life and not stumble? Well, I believe that they should have listened to the man of God. God's man. 
Because he was in tune with natural wisdom. He understood it. And also, he was in tune with the Spirit of God. He had supernatural wisdom. And had they listened, they would have not stumbled. Okay? Verse 24. <clears throat> when thou liest down, thou shalt not be afraid. Yea, thou shalt lie down, and thy sleep shall be sweet. Okay? Most people can't sleep at night. They're on drugs, man. They're taking sleeping pills. You know, take a sleeping pill to go to sleep. Take a pill to wake up. You know, just a vicious cycle, right? Amen. Now, some of that is because of responsibilities that people have. You know, you got a lot of responsibility. Sometimes you can't sleep because you're, you're just constantly bombarded, you know, like, praise the Lord. I mean, uh, and, and, and I have a good church, so y'all give out uh, our phone numbers to strangers that we don't know. So they'll call us at 1.30 in the morning. You know, so I have a great, you know, praise the Lord. Uh, the other night, I mean, very rarely do I get off to sleep around 1.30, really a deep sleep. And I was sleeping so deep I could hear myself snore. That's a pretty deep sleep. And all of a sudden, Sister Christina's phone. Brr, 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 brr. We got a call from somebody we don't even know that one of the saints gave the phone number to. So we had to go and dig the saint's phone number out and give the saint's phone number out to this person because they didn't know the saint's phone number, but somehow they knew our phone number. Okay. So there's just sometimes things in life, you know, responsibilities you have, you just don't get much sleep, okay? Amen. Everybody say, God bless the saints. Need a little wisdom, don't we? <laughs> And one saint one time called a pastor, not me, said, what you doing? Called him at 3 o'clock in the morning. What you doing? And that pastor said, well, I'm sleeping like most normal people. Amen. Somebody said, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Say, praise the Lord again. Praise the Lord. Amen. But a lot of times people can't sleep because they're just tortured. They're just tortured. Their life is torturing them, you know. But the Bible says that when you lie down, if you're walking in the wisdom of God, thou shalt not be afraid. Yea, thou shalt lie, lie down, and thy sleep shall be sweet. Say praise the Lord. I mean, think about Peter in Acts chapter 12. Man, he's got a sentence of death hanging over his head. They say he's going to die tomorrow. You know what he does? He lays down and goes to sleep. Thank God he didn't have a saint giving out numbers. He'd probably got a phone call in a jail cell. But he did. He went to sleep, right? Just trusting in God, man. You're not going to die. You're going to die tomorrow. You got the sense of death upon your head. How many of y'all going to sleep? I probably wouldn't. To be honest with you, I probably wouldn't. No. They say they say a criminal if he's gonna if they're gonna hang him, all he does the whole the whole time right before he's gonna get hung is he's putting his hands around his neck, feeling his neck where that rope's gonna be. Or if they're gonna put him in the gas chamber, he's tortured by that, and he sees how long he can hold his breath. 
They literally, before they die, they go through that process. But you understand, they can't sleep. Amen? They're tortured. And I'm telling you today, people are tortured. Taking sleep pills at night to go to sleep, and then, praise the Lord, man. And then something to wake up on. Got to have caffeine to get going in the morning. And sleep pill to go to sleep at night. And I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand if that's you. Say, praise the Lord. You say, well, I don't want to take sleeping pills. I take melatonin. That's okay. Just make sure you don't take over three milligrams. My son, I think Jeremiah was taking, what was his dosage? They just bought it from the store, you know, off the counter. Like ten milligrams. Ten milligrams, man. Two of them. Taking two of them, Christina? Those are twenty milligrams, man. You're not supposed to take it with like three milligrams. He's taking twenty. Well, you get around 10 to 12 milligrams of melatonin, you start having some really weird dreams. Okay? Seriously. It does something to the pituitary gland. You know? I mean, if you're, and I don't do that, but bodybuilders do it because they take high doses of melatonin because it stimulates, you know, things in the body to uh, growth. Okay? Uh, the pituitary gland is affected. But man, you're just trying to go to sleep. You take 20 gram, milligrams of melatonin, boy. How do you even get up the next day? You know. So, I mean, anyway, you want to take melatonin, go ahead and take melatonin, but just limit it to about 3 milligrams. Okay. Praise the Lord. You're going to call me and say, Pastor, what does this dream mean? I said, oh, it's probably melatonin. It's probably melatonin. That's a melatonin dream. When you walk in wisdom, though, God is going to give you peace. He'll give us peace. And He'll cause us to lay down and sleep. Now, sometimes I have literally prayed, if I can't sleep at night, I'll pray. I said, God, You promised in Your Word that You would give Your beloved rest. And I need to sleep. I need some rest. Huh? Okay? I'm exhausted. Have you ever been exhausted and can't sleep? Yeah, man. I've been exhausted and can't even sleep. But I said, God, you said you'd give me rest. And you know what? And I'm, I'm not making this up. When I pray that, God puts me to sleep. Puts me to sleep. Thank God, man. Too much restless, aren't we? We're just restless souls. So the Bible tells us that we will be able to sleep. When thou liest down, thou shalt not be afraid. Yea, thou shalt lie down, and thy sleep shall be sweet. You don't have to sit around, go to sleep worrying. Is some, you know, what's going to happen to me tonight? Right? Afraid when you go to sleep. Afraid when you get up. Wow. Amen. Let's look at Deuteronomy 28. The opposite of that blessing is a curse. Deuteronomy 28, 63. <coughs> 63, uh, 28, Deuteronomy. It shall come to pass that as the Lord rejoiced over you to do you good and to multiply you, so the Lord will rejoice over you to destroy you and to bring you to naught. That means if you and I don't walk with the Lord, amen, if we say with me, apostatize, are you with me? This is real stuff, okay? The blessings of God brings restful peace, uh, peaceful sleep, restful sleep, right? You understand with me? But to be under the curse of God 
there's an actual power that's working against you in life. Okay? And God, He says, He will rejoice over you to destroy. If we apostatize away from God, He will rejoice over you to destroy you, to bring you to naught. You shall be plucked off from the land, whether thou goest to possess it. And the Lord shall scatter thee among all people from the one end of the earth, even unto the other. There thou shalt serve other gods, which neither thou nor thy fathers have known even wood and stone. And among these nations shalt thou find no ease. Neither shall the sole of thy foot have rest. But the Lord shall give thee there a trembling heart and failing of eyes and sorrow of mine. And thy life shall hang in, the doubt, in doubt before thee. Thou shalt fear day and night. Thou shalt have none assurance of thy life. In the morning thou shalt say, Would God it were evening. And at evening thou shalt say, Would God it were morning. For the fear of thine heart wherewith thou shalt fear. And for the sight of thine eyes which thou shalt see. And the Lord shall bring thee into Egypt again with ships by the way whereof I spake unto thee. Thou shalt see it no more again, and there ye shall be sold unto your enemies for bondmen and for bondwomen, and no man shall buy you. It's a, it's a sad thing to be in a place where you don't have the blessings of God in life. It's a curse that's come upon your life. And as the Bible says, in the morning you say, Would God it were evening. And evening thou shalt say, Would God it were morning. It's just no peace, just no rest, just constant torment. But the good news, if you're serving God, you can lay down with confidence. You don't have to fear. Praise the Lord. Amen. Hallelujah. The only thing you got to fear is if you get a phone call about 1.30. Somebody said, praise the Lord. That's what I'm gonna do. You know what I'm going to start doing? I'm going to start, if I start getting calls about 1 in the morning, I'm going to say, I'll tell you what, i got sister so-and-so's phone number. Why don't you go and talk to her? I did. I'm going I'm to sleep right now. Y'all talk about it. Praise the Lord. I'm just, I'm just going to start giving all your phone numbers out, Brother Patrick. Say praise the Lord. God's good. I don't want to live like that, though, do you? When it's evening, would to God it was the morning. In the morning, say, would to God it's evening. Just living a tormented, tortured life. Can't sleep, can't rest. God is good to us. Amen? Verse 25. You know, I feel the Holy Ghost is hitting on something here right now. He's hitting on something. If we're relying on sleeping pills because we're so tortured, we probably need to read this and really get this in our heart. That God's going to take care of us. That we don't have to sit around and, and, or stay awake in the middle of the night, you know, and, and worry about everything all the time. Just trust God. We just go, okay, God, I can't do anything about it anyway. Well, I'm doing what I can do, but there's some things I can't do. So I'm just going to go to sleep and believe in your hands. So they're looking and staring at the roof, you know. How many of y'all ever stare at the roof at night? Remember this verse. Be not afraid of sudden fear, neither of the destruction of the wicked when it cometh. Amen. Think about 2 Kings chapter 6 when this huge army was going to go and get the prophet. And the Bible says he was just calm as he could be. The destruction of the wicked were coming. But he was calm. He had an assurance of God. And the servant that was with him, he was really afraid, really concerned about the destruction of the wicked that were coming. 
And so the prophet asked God, said, God, open his eyes, he could see. And God showed him in the mountains round about the prophet were chariots of fire. And the word came, they that be with us are more than they that be with them. So when you and I are living, we have to understand the promises of God. We're walking in the wisdom of God right here that we are not to be afraid of sudden fear. Neither of the desolation of the wicked when it cometh. And it's set around. Here, here, let me just say this to you, brothers and sisters. You and I can get in a mindset. You go, you go through some things in life, many things sometimes. And you can get in this mindset where you think in your mind, okay, you're just sitting around waiting for the next big, big chaos to come. Your whole life is one of anticipation of some horrific bad thing that's going to happen. And God's telling you and me, it's okay to anticipate, it's okay to walk in wisdom, but we are not to be living the kind of life that is the kind of life that we're always only thinking about. Well, okay, wonder what bad thing's going to happen tomorrow. Oh, what about in the next day? What? Oh, what? This this year. Always thinking, man, about the next big horrible tragic event that's coming. Wonder what that's going to be. God's telling His people. That when you live for God, you don't have to live like that. We don't have to live with, with the anticipation. Oh, it's, I know something really bad's coming. And that's the way a lot of people live. I know I've been there at times in my life. You go through things say, okay, what's the next big deal? What's the, what's the next horrific big problem that's coming? Amen. Yeah. Okay. And I, I notice, I know that most of y'all are focused on your family. But I'll focus on a whole church group of people, man. And when you have to, when you have to live with that daily, see, my mind is, okay, what's the next catastrophe going to hit? Who's it going to hit next? It's not just about my home. It's not just about my family, but I think about y'all. What's the next big catastrophe that's going to hit somebody in our church? See? So I need this Word of God today. The Bible tells me, be not afraid of sudden fear. Neither of the desolation of the wicked when it cometh. Why? Because God's promising you protection and safety if you're walking with God. Now this this might not, you know, it might be ho-hum, you know, boring to you. But I promise you, if you start going through something, you need a promise from God. Amen? If you hold on to this, God's going to protect me. Yeah. I can't stop the desolation of the wicked. Notice verse 17, these are the ways of wisdom. Sometimes it's going to come. But God's going to be there protecting us. Amen. Keeping us safe. Verse 26. For the Lord shall be thy confidence and shall keep thy foot from being taken. How many of y'all believe that? I believe that word. See, I don't have to sit around worrying about some tragedy that's going to come. A lot of people worry about the devil. You know, they talk more about the devil than they do God. Some people say, that's why we stopped having testimony services. Amen? Because they get up and they start talking about what the devil's doing. Bless his holy name. No, I'm, I'm, I'm not kidding you, man. Like he was more powerful than God. Bless his holy name. 
Oh, man, geez. Well, you know, devil's been chasing me all week, you know, and he almost got me. Just, I mean, it was really close. He almost got me. I felt his paw just almost, you know, just. Well, praise the Lord. God bless you. And they sit down. I'm telling you, man, devil gets more praise than God sometimes. Devil's talked more about a lot of times than God Himself. No, the devil's not your God. Jesus is God. The devil's not in control. Jesus Christ is in control. You need to stop thinking about the devil all the time. Devil this, devil that, you know. Devil everywhere. Devil that, devil. You, you live like that. You think there's a devil everywhere. There's probably going to be one everywhere. One reason is because you're always talking about him. If you talk about him, he's going to show up. I remember one preacher was telling a story. He said they was talking about the devil one night, you know. All of a sudden they heard a on the door. <laughs> this is truth. What are you laughing? This is true, man. <laughs> they went and they opened the door. There was an evil figure there. Yeah. That's the reason why some of us may have a lot of trouble in our life is because we're so preoccupied with the devil. That's all we talk about, the devil. Devil, devil, devil. We're supposed to talk about devil all the time. Amen. You know, let me just share it with you so you'll understand it. Apply this verse. God is so powerful. Jesus is so powerful. You think about that dragon. We preached to you the book of Revelation not long ago. That seven-headed dragon. Dragon red. Red. The color of blood and murder, right? Do you realize that it only took, it took a lamb only to defeat him? A lamb, a lamb can destroy the dragon. Say praise the Lord. You know why? Because when you look at the book of Revelation, the lamb has seven horns and seven eyes. See, the lamb has something the dragon doesn't have. The dragon doesn't have omniscience, seven eyes. And he doesn't have omnipotence, seven horns. So all it takes is the Lamb of God who is omniscient and omnipotent to defeat a dragon. So you can put your confidence and your trust in God every day to defeat the dragon in your life. It only takes a lamb. A little lamb. God's little lamb shed His precious blood for you. Amen? Why, why fear a dragon when you serve the Lamb of God? He's got things the dragon doesn't. That's why the dragon trembles. Because he's not omniscient. He doesn't know everything. He's not omnipotent. He's not all-powerful. That lamb, that lamb that died for you is. For the Lord shall be thy confidence and shall keep thee, thy foot from being taken. I believe that. That's, that's true. That's the Word of God. Amen. Some practical application of these things. Verse 27, Withhold not good from them to whom it is due when it is in the power of thine hand to do it. Say not unto thy neighbor, Go and come again. Tomorrow I will give when, when thou hast it by thee. Now what's he saying? Alright? Well, first of all, practically speaking, I will tell you this, and this is so true. Okay? Everybody has trouble in life. But I will never forget the word of wisdom that Brother Dice gave me years ago. 
And he said this one thing to me. He said, good citizens make good church members. Amen? Now that doesn't mean that God can't take you if you're a mess and change your life. But at some point, when He changes your life, you're going to become a good citizen. And when you become a good citizen, then you'll become a good church member. But He said, if they're not good citizens, they'll never be a good church member. Amen? So what God is saying is His practical application here. Withhold not good from them to whom it is due. Say do. What is in the power of thine hand to do it. Right? So in a sense, is that when you have responsibility of bills, you got the power to take care of that bill, don't be irresponsible. Make sure you pay your debts. Say praise God. If somebody comes and they need some help, some, you have the ability to help them. Use wisdom, of course. I mean, a lot of times we're, we got people coming here to the church and wanting handouts and this and that. They're not, it's not legitimate. You have to be wise in who you help. Okay, But if you know and you've confirmed that it's a legitimate need and you have the power to do it, God's speaking you to do it, then you do it, right? Say praise the Lord. I think this also applies to children. You have the power to help your children. You have the power to teach your children. You have the power to train them and you don't do it. It's in your power to do it, but you don't do it. See, there's so many ways you can apply this. You can apply this to citizenship, to helping people in need, but also a parent to a child. It's important. Amen? Again, say not unto thy neighbor, go and come again, and tomorrow I will give when thou hast it by thee. See, you got it right there beside you. And your neighbor comes over and knocks on the door say, can I have a cup of sugar? You say, no, I don't, I, I'm not going to give you no sugar. And it's, I mean, you know, and it's right there beside you. Just get a cup of sugar. It's right there. Give it to them. Say praise the Lord. How to treat your neighbor, right? Verse 29. Devise not evil against thy neighbor, sin he dwelleth securely by them. Alright? So you got a, how many of y'all are good neighbors? First of all, I'm gonna ask you to lift your hand. How many good citizens do I have out there? Good citizens? Okay. How about good neighbor? But I wanna live next door to you. Would pastor wanna live next door to you? Amen. Would you, how many of y'all would wanna live next door to me? Y'all like to live next door to me? Okay. 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 So he can go get sugar all the time. Knock the door. You get sugar? Get bread. <laughs> See, then, then he'll get the verse. If I don't give it to him, he'll say, Now, Pastor, this says right here in the Bible, you're supposed to get <laughs> Supposed to be good neighbors. Right? You're not supposed to be planning a ways to, to do them harm. Right? Amen. Praise God. That's what the Bible says. Well, that's common sense, but some people need to know that. Praise the Lord. You're drive through the front yard and you're with your car, truck. Not a good neighbor. Get out of your car, throw trash out on the ground, it blows over there in the neighbor's shirt. You know? 
We probably are done, we've probably all done this as bad as we can be. We got our blowers out, we mow our yard and got our blowers out and we blow all that grass and stuff into the neighbors. Instead of getting the broom, putting it in the in the trash can, you know. Oh, the wind will catch it. It'll blow it down the street. Yeah. Right into the neighbor's front yard next door. I guess we've all been guilty in some way. But the Bible tells us we're not supposed to do evil against thy neighbor, seeing he dwelleth securely by thee. Don't harm him. Amen. Praise the Lord. Verse 30, Strive not with a man without cause. That means... Now, y'all, you need this. Strive not with a man without cause. First of all, let me say this. There's some, some situations it's called defense. It's called home defense. That is not without cause. Somebody comes into your house, breaks into your house, you've got a right to defend your house. And I mean a strong man armed keeper this house. Okay? Praise the Lord. So there is sometimes where we have cause. But he's talking about without cause. So that means don't go around always start and try to start a fight with somebody. Right? Because other people, man, they always want to start a fight with somebody. And listen, and this verse also applies this way, that don't always stick your nose into somebody else's problem. If it's not your problem, stay out of it. Look at your neighbor. Tell him, it's not your problem. Stay out of it. Now, would you please do that? Now, I got, I got a lot of stuff, you know, I got to deal with. And by the grace of God, I'm going to do it, okay? But I don't need any assistant pastors helping me do that. <laughs> okay? One, th one thing, if you, don't, if you don't stick to your own problems and you're always getting involved in somebody else's problem, you know, most times I'm going to have a good outcome. The problem is about being somebody that wants to be a mediator in those situations. The Bible says that the ones, you know, you're going to step in the middle of it and both of them are going to hate you. So you can't win. You just can't win. I'm just going to tell you, you can't win. Because you step in the middle of it and you're trying to fix it, right? They're both going to end up hating you. That's why it's a serious thing to be a peace officer. I would not want to be a policeman, not in this hour. Nah, the most dangerous call you can take is domestic abuse. That's the last call a police officer wants to take. It's the most dangerous one there is. Okay? He steps in, the wife called on the husband, right? Or the husband called on the wife. She's beating me up. Come get her. Well, the police drive up. He gets in the middle of it. Before he knows, he got the wife on his back. Don't you hurt my man. You can't win. Okay? So for sure, if, if you don't have any business in it, you stay away from it. Okay, now some things are your business. Some things there's a cause and you've got to get involved. All right, I understand that. But if you don't have to, don't get in the middle of anything. 
because it's going to end up hurting. It's going to, they're going to come against you. You're going to be the enemy in the end. Okay? All right. Say God. Amen. Say praise the Lord. Ooh. Everybody all right? Have you ever tried to step into something and ended up both of them hating you? Man, I was trying to help the situation. Man, I got both of them hating me now. Praise the Lord. That's why you wives and husbands get in disputes. You know, you want me to get involved? Say, no, I ain't get involved. No, that's y'all go ahead, kill each other. I don't care. <laughs> or if I hear God say, "Get involved," you know that I do. Then, if I don't get involved in the person that talked to me about it, they're mad at me. And if I do, they're both mad at me. Okay, so anyway, because they probably don't like the way I did it or whatever. So you get the point, right? Strive not with a man without cause, if he have done thee no harm. Listen, I say, I'm going to stop picking fights all the time. I'm a, and I'm going to stop getting involved with other people's problems. Please. Now, if you know something that's really, really off, you come and tell me. Okay? Okay. Amen. And we'll work with it. I might just tell you, I ain't going to do nothing about it. That's what I might tell you. I might say, no, I'm not doing nothing about it. If it happens again, we might, but if we ain't doing nothing about that one, okay, it's just a minor deal. Don't blow it up, make it something really big. It's nothing. It's nothing, man. It's nothing. Amen. But we love drama, man. We love to blow things up, don't we? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. One sister goes to another sister. You see that way that sister looked at me? Yeah, I saw that. She looks at me like that too all the time. Oh, my goodness. Amen. Us men, we don't have to say anything. We just have certain ways that we look. You know what I mean? And we, we send messages by looks. If we like you, we have a certain way we look at you. If we like you, if we don't like you, we have another. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's body language for men. Y'all okay? How many of you ever got into a fight that wasn't your fight? Anybody ever got into a fight that wasn't your fight? Sister Nicole? Did you did you win? Did you win? You win? I figured you won. <laughs> Amen. God's good. Verse 31. Envy thou not the oppressor and choose none of his ways. What is an oppressor? The oppressor is, is a violent man. Okay? Don't envy a violent man. Don't choose his ways. Stay away from it, man. Stay away from that path. See, always be, these two go together. Pick and fight. Fights all the time. Violence all the time. Stay away from that, man. Brothers and sisters, you know, there's some people, that's all they want to do is fuss and fight all the time. And I'm not talking about the world. I'm talking about in the church, man. That's all they want to do is start something. Yes, sir. Amen. 
Best thing you can do is stay out of it. Turn your phone off. Change phone numbers. And then somehow they'll get to you. You changed your number. You blocked me. Well, why did I? Because I got tired of you always trying to pick a fight all the time. Man, there's just some people, they live, they live for that. Now, if you're a Christian, you're, you're, you're supposed to be a person of peace. Amen? There's just some people, man, they're uh, oppressors. They just have violent tendencies. And then verse 32, <clears throat> For the froward is an abomination to the Lord, but the secret is with the righteous. Froward person is somebody that's perverse. It is somebody that you can't govern. They're not accountable to anybody. Okay, They refuse to follow any type of rules or guidelines in their life. That's the froward. They're perverse. Let me just put it to you this way to make it simple. They depart from the right way. They change the, they change the course of things. They do things their own way, alright? Oh, God help us, man. So-called Christians like this. Just forward as they can be, man. They're a mess. I don't know. To stand before Jesus on Judgment Day, there are going to be a lot of things that are going to come out. They're not walking by wisdom. You see, God hates it. It's abomination, right? That's what it says. For the forward is an abomination to the Lord. Abomination to the Lord is something that God hates. There's some things that are an abomination to you in the Bible that are not good for you. But there are some things that God hates. Abominations to Him. Now you get time. I'm not going to give it to you tonight. But you get time. You go in the book of Proverbs. I've got the verses written down. Not with me, but in my, on my tablet, my desk. Wrote the ver you write the verses down where the book of Proverbs talks about what God hates. What things are an abomination to God? Just go through there. You'd be amazed at how many things are an abomination to God. But the forward, somebody who departs from the right path, is something that is detestable to God. He hates it. Okay? Say praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. We can't govern our own life, brothers and sisters. We need God in our life. I want to be the person that has the secret of the Lord that's revealed, it's revealed to the righteous. Okay, he speaks to the righteous. He reveals things to the righteous. He shows things to the righteous. Amen. Those that follow the Lord. That's who he's talking about. The righteous are those that, that choose to follow the Lord. Verse 33. The curse of the Lord is in the house of the wicked. Amen. Self-explanatory. But the bless, bless, but he blesseth the habitation of the just. Amen. And I know you. I want the blessings of God. And we have to realize, brother, this is an active power. Okay, you know that is the choices that you make in life, either to walk in wisdom or to walk in folly. Folly, excuse me, folly. <laughs> New word, folly. Praise the Lord, folly. I like that. Either walk in folly or wisdom. You walk in fully or fully. Okay, curse. And it's active. Don't think that God is just going to sit back and do nothing and let you do your thing, honey. 
God is going to be actively for you, blessing your life, or He is going to be against you, bringing all kinds. Read Deuteronomy. I already read some of it to you. Deuteronomy 28. Look at the kind of mess that can come to your life if you don't walk in the wisdom of God. To have the blessings of God, that's amazing. You walk in the wisdom of God. It's an active power. God doesn't just stand back. Okay, now watch this. Sometimes though, what God does is He allows your, our own ways to correct us. Okay? So in some sense, He's passive, but there's some, in some sense, He's active. Now I will say this. That anytime you and I step into the realm of sin, there is already a power that is released in your life. God doesn't have to do anything. That power of death, when you step into the realm of sin, is already there waiting for you. You will be defeated. You'll walk in death. You'll be miserable on the inside. Uh, come on, I don't want that kind of life. I want God's blessing in my life. Not some kind of power or force that is against me from the Lord. It's very important that we make the right choices in life. Verse 34, he talks about the scorner. Okay. Surely he scorneth the scorner, but he gives grace unto the lowly. Now what's the scorner? Well, the scorner we've already talked about is the mocker. Or to somebody that mocks the things of God. They'll even mock you. You live for the Lord. They'll mock you. They'll make fun of holiness and, and the walking in the wisdom. Because you're on a different path. You're on a path of righteousness and holiness, wisdom, lady wisdom. They're on the path of foolishness. So they're going to look over there and they're going to mock you and make fun of you. That's what they are. They're mockers. But what does God say? God says, I'm going to mock them. Now, you don't want God mocking you. Right? Be not deceived. As the New Testament says, Be not deceived. God is not mocked. Whatsoever man soweth, that shall he also reap. So to the flesh, you shall of the flesh reap destruction. You show to the Spirit, you shall of the Spirit reap life. You don't mock God. People that sit around and mock God and the things of God, they're in big trouble. They're bringing destruction into their own life. See? They said, watch. Let's keep going. So he mocks the mocker. But he gives grace unto the lowly. Amen. So if you humble yourself before God, you're going to find the grace that you need in your life. It's all about humbling yourself before God. Everybody makes mistakes. You know what I'm saying? If you just somehow just come. Okay, God, yeah, I blew it. I'm not going to walk in pride and not admit I haven't done, you know, I'm not going to admit I've done anything wrong. I'm not going to say I'm sorry. I'm not going to ever say I'm wrong. I'm going to tell you something. You're the wrong kind of person. You have to, and I have to have the ability to set aside that ego and that pride and say, you know what? I blew it. I'm wrong. That was a bad choice. Amen. I accept God's discipline in my life. And the Bible says God will show you grace. He always does. Verse 35, the wise shall inherit glory. In one sense, we can speak that of heaven. Amen. But shame shall be the promotion of who? Of fools. See, what fools do, 
fools, the wise person is constantly piling up glory. Okay? This or you'll be in heaven. But a fool, because what is a fool? A fool says no to God. A fool is somebody you can't tell them anything because they already know everything. You, brother says you can't tell a fool anything. A fool is somebody, uh, theologians translate this word sometimes as stupid. Sometimes they translate it dense. These people are dense and they are stupid. But I promise you, they claim to be clever. They think they're really clever. They think they're beating the system. You know, they think that they can do what nobody else can do, and that's beat the system. Okay? That's the way a fool thinks. They know best. You can't tell them one thing. You can't correct them. They won't receive correction. So what do they do then? They go through life, as the Bible says, and instead of receiving glory, they're just constantly piling up shame. I don't want to be that person. Amen? So the wise shall inherit glory, but shame shall be the promotion of fools. To reject God's word is a horrible thing. I don't want to be that. Okay, chapter 4, very quick. Hear ye the children, hear ye children, the instruction of a father and attend to no understanding. So what we have once again is a father speaking to sons or speaking to children. Verses one through nine, you can write, just put simple words, seek. Okay? Seek. We have God's wisdom, God's word given to us. Uh, he says, hear ye, say hear, gotta hear it. Your children, the instruction of a father. Now the word instruction, we've already talked to you about this before. The word instruction uh, means discipline. Okay, So you receive the discipline, the correction of the father. And attend unto, uh, to know what? Understanding. Wow. Understanding. Understanding is the ability to know the difference between right and wrong. It's the ability to know the spirit that's behind something. Okay, understanding. All right. Let me give it to you a little bit in an easier way to, to grasp. Okay. He's talked about knowledge. Knowledge comes when you're instructed. So we receive instruction, knowledge from God's word. It's sort of like this. If you look, say a mom has a little a child, boy or girl, and she's ironing clothes. And the iron, as the iron goes across the clothes, it removes the wrinkles out of the clothes. And that child is watching mom iron the clothes. Man, that child is really caught up in that. And then the phone rings. So mom's got to leave the hot iron. And so the mom looks at the child and says to the child, the iron is hot. That's knowledge. Instruction. Okay. Mom goes off, takes the call. Curiosity gets the best of the child. Even though they have knowledge, they've been instructed that it's hot. The temptation or the, you know, just the curiosity gets the best of them. And so the child, she reaches up there, she grabs a hold of the iron. When she does, she burns her finger. Now she's got understanding. Okay? 
See, knowledge is instruction. Understanding is the burnt finger. And what is the understanding? That iron is hot. <laughs> I know from understanding personal experience that iron is hot. I was told it was, but now I know it's hot because I touched it myself. Okay? So the mom comes back. She's ironing again. Little kid's got the finger burnt. Phone rings again. Mom leaves the hot iron there. And that little child's thinking, mm, I sure do want to get up there. You know, mom says, now don't. Now you remember that iron's hot. I sure do want to get up there. And so she's still thinking about getting that iron again. But something stops her. She says, mama told me that iron was hot. That's knowledge. Instruction. I understand it's hot because I touched it and it burned my finger. So I know I can reach up there and grab that hot iron again. But wisdom says, the iron's hot. <laughs> you get the point? Alright, so let me sort of bring it to you practically speaking. We'll stand up and preach to you the doctrines of holiness. What the Bible says about holiness, right? Okay. So you get the instruction and you do it because you got people breathing down your neck. Okay? But you don't want to do it. But you do it because you've been taught the Word of God, it's there, right? But that curiosity's still in you, man. You want to challenge it. You want to test it. Okay. So you set aside holiness and you find out what happens. The iron's hot. You start understanding the importance of holiness in your life. What it does in your walk with God. How it works in, in your walk with God. And, and how if you set that aside, what happens if you do? If you begin to walk in sin instead of obedience. How you feel? See, I'm starting to understand now. Yeah, I walked, I, did, I walked in instruction, but I really didn't understand it. But now I understand it. Why? Okay, that instruction of holiness is now moved into understanding, and understanding moves into what I call conviction. See, not everybody has conviction right now. I, I, there's some of you today that do what you do. You don't have conviction. You do it because you have been instructed from the Word of God. Maybe some of it, that's all you have. It's a knowledge of what you've been instructed from the Word of God. That's in the Bible. Okay, That's all you do. You do it because of that. And that's honorable. Okay, But some of you have a deep-seated understanding. Something deep within you tells you that's really important. Amen. That's really important. And then some of you take it a step further. Conviction. So that if I were to stand up to you and I would say, okay, all you ladies now, you can wear pants. Those here today, right, who don't have conviction, even though they might be instructed by the Word of God, what's in the Bible, because they don't have conviction, would get rid of their dresses and start wearing pants. But, if you have moved into that, you know, not just knowledge and understanding, but over into this wisdom stage of conviction, I could tell you today, you don't have to worry about wearing dresses anymore, any skirts anymore, you can wear pants. And I promise you there are some that are sitting in this church right now that would never put on a pair of pants. 
Why? Because they have conviction. Say praise the Lord. Amen. So I don't know where you are in your level of development. But I can tell you. By instruction the iron's hot. Maybe you got to burn your finger to just test it. And you, then you get understanding. And then after that you're still thinking about it. But you go no wisdom kicks in and says. Iron's hot. I'm I've got a conviction the iron's hot. I tried it. Let me just tell you this brothers and sisters. This works. This life works. It does work. The path of righteousness. God is good. That's why He's telling you, when you, you take hold of that, man. You hold on to that. You don't let it go. The wisdom of God. He knows how life's supposed to live. He wants a woman to look like a woman and a man to look like a man. He wants a man to dress like a man and a woman to dress like a woman. That's the Bible. Okay? He wants a woman's hair to be long and a man's hair to be short. He knows how life's supposed to be lived. Whether I agree with it or not, whether I like it or not, it's still the right way. Okay, amen. So hear ye, children, the instruction, the discipline of a father, and attend to no understanding the right and wrong of things. For I give you good doctrine. Say good doctrine. It's a good doctrine. What's doctrine? Teaching. It's teaching in a way that can be grasped foundational things that you can get a hold of in your life. I give you good doctrine. Forsake ye not my law. For I was my father's son tender and only beloved in the sight of my mother. Amen. He taught me also and said unto me, Let thine heart retain my words, keep my commandments, and live. Now, Solomon is the one who wrote this. So who told him? Who taught him? Who was the daddy involved in his life? Who was that godly influence? God gave the doctrine. God gave the teaching. But He had influence. So that verse is talking to personal influences that were in His life. God gives the Word of God, but every one of us have personal influences in our life. Amen? David taught Solomon some of these things. Well, Solomon tried to put it in Rehoboam. He tried to put the wisdom of God in Rehoboam. And Rehoboam, he's one of these students, you know, when you try to tell him something, try to give him wisdom, he kind of just looks off in space. Or he changes the subject. He wants to talk about something that he thinks is important. And Daddy Solomon tried to put the wisdom of God in his son Rehoboam. Rehoboam split the kingdom. Because he wouldn't listen to his father's wisdom, his father's instruction. And when you study the life of Rehoboam, he didn't accomplish very much at all, just had a few kids. But he split the kingdom. You want to be known as a person who splits the kingdom? Rehoboam. Because he wouldn't listen to the instruction of his father. Solomon tried to teach Rehoboam the right path. But he would have nothing of it. And then you look at his son, Ahijah. Ahijah was no better than him, Rehoboam. He was constantly in war trying to get the tribes back through war, strife. 
not successful. He followed in his daddy's footsteps. It's generational. Solomon tried to put it in him. He wouldn't listen. Rehoboam. And Rehoboam, he sowed it in his own children. And so what we see here is we've got a man, a father, who is teaching his children the good doctrines of God. Amen. The, the influences, godly influences upon your life. Verse 4, He taught me also and said unto me, Let thine heart retain my words. Keep them there. Don't, don't let it go in one ear and out the other. Retain it. Keep it in there. Keep my commandments and live. And then He talks about five things. If you do, five things that wisdom will, will bring to your life or how to how to handle wisdom. Verse 5, number 1. Get wisdom. Say, get wisdom. Get it. Spend time attaining wisdom. When are you going to get it? The Word of God. You're going to get it coming, coming to hear the Word of God taught. I was thinking about a young man today. I was thinking, Lord, I hope he's there tonight. You know, well, he's here tonight. I can't tell you how important that is to me and how important that is to God. I'm thinking, man, that young man, he needs this this. this, this Proverbs, his wisdom teaching. I hope he's there. And he was here. He's here tonight. You know. See, and what God is saying, you, you need to get that wisdom. All right. Praise the Lord. Pursue it. The wisdom of God. Get understanding. Forget it not. Neither decline from the words of my mouth. And then number two. Okay. Forsake her not. Forsake her not. Say forsake her not. I mean, hold on to her. Okay? I promise you, if you had a girlfriend, you'd be holding on to her, man. Maybe not. If you ever get one, <laughs> if you ever have one, you're probably going to do everything you can to hold on to her. And that's what God's saying. When you get wisdom, you need to treat her like she's your lady. Amen? Wife, whatever, hold on to her. She's a good wife. She's a bad wife. Don't worry about it. Remember, it goes both ways for the ladies. You get a good man, hold on to him. He's not good. Don't worry about him. Let him go. Just Help him. Help him out the door. You going somewhere? Here, let me help you. I got to pack you back. They're already waiting for you. And what wisdom is like that. It says you, you want to, don't forsake her. You want to hold on to wisdom. Hold on to her like she's your lady. Amen. Forsake her not, and she shall preserve thee. Love her, and she shall what? Keep thee. Oh, it's awesome, isn't it? Verse 7, third thing. Wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom, and with all thy getting, get understanding. This should be the number one focus of your life. Number one. The most important thing in your life According to the Word of God, wisdom is the principal thing. Practically speaking, social skills, how to live life. 
ethically speaking, how to be a righteous person, theologically speaking, how to worship God and live for God. That is the most important thing there is in your life. It's more important than money. It's more important than position. It's more important than anything in your life. It is the most important thing. It is the principal thing. It's the foundation. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. It is the most important thing in your life. To reverence God. Amen. Somebody with me here? No, there's nothing more important than wisdom. Amen. So stay in the Word of God. Study the Word of God. So important. The Jewish people have the commandments of God, more than ten commandments. They take the Word of God, they divide it up into 613 commandments. 248 of those commandments are positive. 365 of those commandments are negative. 248 of those commandments are positive. And when you study Jewish writings on the book of Proverbs, it tells you that for the 248 positive commands of the 613 commands that they've you know, each one of those line up with an organ in the body. You've got 248 organs in the body, and you got one positive command for every organ in your body. You got 365 negative commands, one for every day of the year. And what God is saying to you every day sin not, sin not, sin not, sin not, sin not. And 248 positive commands. One for every part, every organ in your body. It's amazing. God, God cares. Amen. How many proverbs are there? How many? So if there's 31, right? You got one for every day of the month. Day six, read Proverbs six. Day seven, read Proverbs seven. Now, probably by the time you get to the end of your life, you'd have the whole book of Proverbs memorized. It's the principal thing. It is the most important thing in your life. Hallelujah. Do you realize what I'm teaching you tonight is the most important thing that there is? There's nothing more important than the Word of God in your life. Nothing. So wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom, and with all thy getting, get understanding. Verse 8, exalt her, and she shall promote thee. You know how many of want to be promoted? Yeah, promotion, that's a promise. Wisdom will promote you. You'll get a promotion. You got wisdom. She shall bring thee to honor when thou dost embrace her. What does that mean? Why are you going to get promoted? Because she'll show you how to get promoted. She'll show you what attitude to have. You know, we aren't going to go back through that. But anyway. Verse 9. She shall give thine head an ornament of grace, a crown of glory, shall she deliver to thee. Amen. How many of y'all want a crown of glory? That's the end result. That's the five things. That that daddy's saying to that son or those children how to get it, how to hold on to it. Amen. The priority of it, how to promote you, and how you get the prize. 
It's all right there. Life skills, man. Righteousness. And then the next section, verses 10 through 19. We've already talked about this before, the path. That path. The path of foolishness or the path of Lady Wisdom. And you have the responsibility of making the choice. We have to receive it. So just, God's not going to force Himself on you. He's not going to force His Word on you. You have to be willing. You have to be a willing participant. You have to receive the words of wisdom from God. And so that's what he's talking about. And, and how you do that? Well, you avoid wickedness. Verse 10. Hear my son and receive my sins. And the years of thy life shall be many. The secret of a long life I have taught thee. In the way of wisdom, I have led thee in the right paths. Which when we talked about lady wisdom and lady foolishness and those two paths, this is the verse that we read to right here. Proverbs 4, verse 11. When thou goest, thy steps shall not be strained. And when thou runnest, thou shalt not stumble. I, don't, I want to walk in wisdom. I don't want to go through life one failure after another. Why go through life experiencing one failure after another? Amen? What he's saying, you don't have to go through to one from one failure to another failure and constantly going through that in your life. If we apply wisdom to our life. Take fast hold of instruction. Let her not go. Keep her for she is thy life. Again, hold on to her like you'd hold on to, a, to your girlfriend. <laughs> Amen. I don't know why God likens wisdom to a woman because I've never found a wise woman yet. Man, that was not a wise thing to say, man. I hear BBD talking right now. Yeah, see, she's talking. There she goes. I hear her talking. Brother Patrick, I did that because I want to hear BB talk. I knew she's going to start talking. I don't know. <laughs> no, I have some wise women in here. Amen. Amen. Verse 14, enter not into the path of the wicked. Stay away from it. Avoid it. Come on. We've got some people in there looking. They want to run with them. We're talking about the first chapter, that gang mentality to, to hook up with, with gangs and run with them, you know. And I've told you this before. Somebody said, well, my, you know, my child wouldn't be like that. It's just the people he hangs around with or she hangs around with. If she's hanging around that kind of person, that's because that's the kind of person that they are. Don't forget what I'm telling you. They made a choice. And God is saying, we have to make choices. And those choices, you avoid it like the plague, man. You stay away from that path of the wicked that don't serve God. The crooked in their dealings. Don't enter into the path of the wicked. And go not in the way of evil men. Avoid it. Pass not by it. Turn from it and pass away. For they sleep not except they have done mischief. And their sleep is taken away unless they cause some to fall. They just desire to do evil. Amen. They're looking. They're looking. Brothers and sisters, somebody that's walking in a path of foolishness, they are looking for a way to destroy somebody. That's all they're about. And you have to have enough wisdom 
to stay away from them. Because they're not content just to be on that path of evil by themselves. They're going to try to bring everybody they can into their path of evil with them. You understand? And when they do, they have a plan to destroy you. You gotta, you gotta have wisdom. I know what you're about. You're about destroying people. I'm staying away from it. You have to be, they, serious. And most people don't do evil by themselves. They want other people to join them. And, and in the process, just their, the focus is to destroy people. Yeah, it's not good. For they eat bread, the bread of wickedness, and drink the wine of violence. That's their characteristics. But the path of the justice of the shining light shineth more and more unto the perfect day. If you walk with God, let me tell you something, brothers and sisters. Every day you live, it's going to get more and more clear. It's like a, it's like a shining light. Every day I live for God, it gets clearer and clearer. It's only when I'm not walking with the Lord like I'm supposed to that that light fades. And I walk with God and His wisdom and His understanding. Things start clearing up for me. That's what God wants. He wants things to clear up for you. Say, praise the Lord. And you say, well, I'm looking for answers. I'm giving them to you out of the Word of God. And if you're not receiving them, it's your fault. You don't have answers tonight. It's not because you have been preached the Word of God. Because somewhere you didn't, didn't listen to them. If I fail, if I come short, it's because I'm not walking. Because the Bible promises me, in contrast to the way of the wicked, it's like a shining light that shineth more and more unto the perfect day. Verse 19, the way of the wicked is as darkness. They know not at what they stumble. Amen. Why don't they know what they're stumbling over? Because they fail to look at what their past failure was. They fail to learn from the mistakes of their past. So they keep stumbling. It's a dark, dark path. We've already covered this. I'm not going to stay a long time on it. My son, attend to my words. Incline thine ear unto my sayings. Let them not depart from thine eyes. Keep them in the midst of thine heart. Your eyes see. Your heart desires. Amen. For they are life unto those that find them and hell to all their flesh. Keep thy heart with all diligence for out of them are the issues of life. You've got to keep your heart, man. Put away from thee a forward mouth and perverse lips. Put far from thee. Be careful. Mouth disease, man. You know. You got to be careful what we say. Let thine eyes look right on and let thine eyelids look straight before thee. Amen. What are you saying? Control your eyes. Straightforward, man. Okay. Amen. Ponder the path of thy feet and let all the ways be thy ways be established. Turn not to the right hand nor to the left. Remove thy foot from evil. And that's God's plan. He doesn't want us to walk on that path of folly. That's why He gives us these words of wisdom from Lady Wisdom and from a, a father that cares. Telling you the whole time, this is what you avoid. This is the path you want to stay away from. This is the path you want to walk in. God wants you to be successful in life. He wants you to be successful in righteousness. He wants you to be successful in His relationship with you. 
And if we'll do it God's way, we will be successful. Would you stand? Amen. Father, we come before you right now. We thank you. You're a mighty king. You're so awesome, God, that your hand is in the earthquakes, in the volcanoes, in the mudslides, in a way that we can't even see. You're in the soft, gentle dew that comes and sets upon the grass in a cloudless, calm night. Lord, we trust in your power. We trust in your gentleness. It's your gentleness that's made us great. Father, we, we desire, we choose, we receive, we respond. The words of wisdom. That we might know how to live life, what to do, what to say, what emotion to have, how to be righteous and how to live in a way that is pleasing to you. Father, we ask God your will would be with each and every one of your people as they go forth from today, from this service, having heard the word of God. I pray, Father, that you will take it and apply it to their lives in days to come. And everybody said in Jesus' name, amen. You're dismissed.